Hi, I'm Craig. And I'm Linda. And this is the Indie Travel Podcast at IndieTravelPodcast.com. This is episode 365, and we're talking about how to travel with kids. That's right. And as you know, we are well known for having kids. <laughs> yeah, so this is a topic we know infinitely well and that we are totally, totally, I mean, extremely qualified to talk about, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. And that's why we're interviewing someone who actually knows what they're talking about. <laughs> An airline pilot with two children that travels all of the time. Yeah, we're talking to my sister Anna Wakeland, who is just amazing at traveling with kids. Her kids are great, but and they are experienced travelers. But part of the reason they're so good at traveling is because Anna has put in place some really good systems to make it make it work. So she has some really good advice about how to travel with kids and how to have a good time while doing it. Yeah, we actually recorded this interview over a month ago when we were in Melbourne, Australia. But last time we were talking to you, we were in Auckland, New Zealand, and just about to head to the airport. Yeah, and in quality style, we left the recording of the podcast right until the last minute. So I actually edited it on the plane and also in Brisbane and also in Dubai (laughs) on our way to Prague and then published it once we got here. So I think it was quite a representative podcast when you think about our podcast being the Indie Travel Podcast, right? It traveled with us. Absolutely. It sure did. But gosh, it's good to be out of that kind of 40-hour door-to-door trip and to be in Prague for our first week. Oh my goodness. Prague is so awesome. I love it so much. I was a bit unsure about coming because I wasn't so sure about doing this course, but ah, oh, it is it is glorious. Uh, for me, just being surrounded by Art Nouveau is good for my soul. It's fantastic. Two of my favorite artists are from here, Alphonse Mucha, well-known for Art Nouveau, and also Franz Kafka uh, wrote a lot of his material here, a famous novelist. And yeah, that's great. And in fact, when we arrived, we saw a sign for the ballet interpreting Franz Kafka's The Trial. And dance is not my favorite medium, but I thought we just had to have a go. So I went to the ballet for the first time in forever. I think the last time I went to the ballet, I was forced to in high school. (laughs) (laughs) It was really cool. It was quite a different experience. And the theater was spectacular, just beautiful, beautiful theater for the performance. And then the the dance was amazing too, just a, a really interesting interpretation. Yeah, but day to day, it's all been about the beer, hasn't it? Yeah, there has been a bit of beer being drunk, yep. <laughs> and that has been good. We're actually planning now to do an episode all about beer around the world and some of the best places in which to drink it. Yeah, so last night going out for a drink with one of my classmates, that was totally, totally research. Definitely, 100% mm-hmm. research. Yeah, yep. that's what it was, yeah. <laughs> hey, another place that's good to drink beer is in Milwaukee. And once again, Visit Milwaukee are the sponsors of this episode of the Indie Travel Podcast. Yeah, Milwaukee is a great place to drink beer. They're famous for being brew city, you know, lots of microbreweries as well as having the, the history of the big brew companies. Do go ahead and check out episode 363 or search for Milwaukee in your podcast app of choice. You'll find that Indie Travel Podcast episode there where we do mention beer and cheese. Such good cheese here as well. We've been enjoying learning all about it. And thank you, Visit Milwaukee, for sponsoring this episode of the show. Milwaukee is also a great place to travel with kids, and we're going to talk about that a bit later in the show. But now let's get on and talk with my sister Anna Wakelin about traveling with kids. So I'm here with my sister, Anna Wakelin. Hi. Uh, hey, Anna, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay, yeah, so I'm uh, Anna, married to Matt, 
I've uh, got two little boys, uh, Henry, age eight, and uh, Leo, age five. Matt and I both work as pilots, and uh, yeah, Henry and Leo are both in uh, primary school. So how often do you travel with your kids and without the kids? We travel mostly always with the kids, unless it's for work, in which case obviously we don't have them with us. We try to do at least one big family trip overseas a year, but then we all most invariably end up doing a few extra trips in there as well. So one big overseas trip at least a year and um, various domestic trips around the place. And how, how do you choose your destinations? At the moment, the big family trip is pretty much decided by the children. They come up with big ideas. So last year, um, Henry's big plan was to go on a cruise. And so we, we had a trip to Reno to a friend's wedding. And so um, we, we managed to sort of fit a cruise in there as well. So so we uh, yeah, went to Reno for the wedding and then we ended up going over to Miami and doing a cruise around the Bahamas to satisfy Henry's request and then uh, I know I know Henry wanted to be a um to go on the cruise since he was age four and so four years in the planning four years in the saving he actually ended up financing the whole thing himself which was pretty impressive not the drinks bill but certainly the cruise he paid for (laughs) um next year or the end of this year uh, the September holidays we're off to Japan and that is because I gave the kids a book about trains and they discovered the Japanese Shinkansen and they've been obsessed with it ever since they learned about it and as a result, we're now going off on a two-week family holiday to Japan, primarily to go on the Shinkansen. That's so awesome. <laughs> yeah, and you also had a trip last year, was it, to uh, Europe? Was it the year before, maybe? The year before, yeah. Yeah, the amazing race. That was uh, that was fun. We were going standby, so uh, we had to make it a little bit fun for the kids. Because we're um, both pilots and we get standby travel, uh, we figured that our strategy for that is to go on two separate tickets. So one adult, one child um, is one team and the other adult, other child is the other team. But because we hadn't done such a long flight on standby with the kids before, there was a very real chance we were going to get split up and um, be put on separate flights. And with our kids, uh, preparation is key. So if they know what the plan is and they know what the possibilities are, they're less likely to get stressed than if we surprise them with it at the last minute that we're all splitting up and going different places. So for weeks, we were hyping up this this whole amazing race thing where we we're going off on different tickets and we were basically going to race each other to London. Mm-hmm. And so I was with uh, Leo, the five-year-old. He was four back then. And, uh, and Matt was with Henry. And to make it a bit more fun, we decided to have uh, T-shirts printed. So to really hype up this this whole concept, we had T-shirts. So I was on the blue team and Matt was on the on the green team. And, uh, yeah, we decided we'd, we'd just race to Europe. And to make it even more fun, we spruced it on Facebook and we had people supporting us and following our journey and we thought it would be really fun. And the kids were really excited about it. Unfortunately, ended up in a massive anticlimax because we turned up and absolutely unheard of for staff travel. They um, said, yeah, we've got seats available. Here's your boarding passes all the way through to London. Your bags will be available for pickup in Heathrow. Yeah, we sat together on the flight and there really was no race at all. Our Facebook friends were most disappointed. But the idea was there and, and we knew that the kids yeah, would be able to cope with it because we'd, we'd spoken to them about it for so long. Yeah, hyped them up and got them really excited about it. So you're prepared for almost anything then? Well, you sort of have to be when you travel with kids. You know, if you put a bit of bit of time into the preparation, it'll reap for its rewards, yeah. And what kind of things do you tend to prepare for most? We've got to prepare for, like, all the contingencies. So, you know, the worst is, is uh, time in airports. You've just got to have things to do with time in airports. We're lucky now. The kids are both readers, so they're quite happy to just sit there and read their books. Try to limit screen time as much as possible, but... The um, key or the get out of jail free card is is the is the iPad that's loaded with videos. We try to reserve that till you know, as an absolute last resort. But yeah, an iPad or an iPhone that's got a game or something on it will will always um, be quite handy. 
And do you have one each? We did have one each, but they're actually pretty good at sharing. Yeah, it's it's too hard to travel with too many electronics, mm-hmm. not least because you, you know, usually forget to take them out of bags for security screening and you have to double back and all that sort of stuff. So no, I, the kids have both got their own iPads, the hand-me-downs from, from friends, but we hardly ever take them now. What about um, when you're planning your trips, what do you look at most, uh, destination or activities within the destination? I know you're saying that the kids have chosen the next one. Yeah. Are they thinking about the thing that they're going to do there or they're thinking about, oh, I need to go to Japan? Well, this time it's the it's all about the train. The last one was all about the cruise. So for our kids, it's more about the types of transport and <laughs> I guess the activity. The cruise, they didn't care where they went at all. They couldn't care less whether we did it out of Sydney or whether we did it out of the Bahamas or whether we did it out of Antarctica. Like It meant absolutely nothing to them. The activity was the cruise and that was all that mattered. So I then got to choose <laughs> where we went to to make that happen. And I, I chose a place that I wanted to go to and somewhere that was cost effective. So that, that was a, that was a win. Japan, pretty much it's the Shinkansen. Uh, we're starting to build up a few more destinations within Japan. We haven't really organized the trip yet. We don't tend to organize things till the fairly last minute, but uh, on the list of things we've got to do in Japan, um, Matt and I want to go to a rugby game. So we've bought a rugby world cup ticket, which is good. So we've got one thing organized. Um, <laughs> And what else? Um, oh, we want to go to a Pokemon shop because they've heard that will be really fun. I think that's about all we've got organized so far. The, the idea is in, in the next couple of weeks we'll sit down in front of a computer and uh, we'll just start searching what we can do in Japan and what there is to see and we'll start building an itinerary that way. I just figured the more invested the kids are in the in the planning, the more invested they are in the traveling and, and so the, the better behaved they are and all that sort of stuff as well. And do they tend to get quite on board with the idea of planning it? Do you, do you oh, see it as a, a learning experience or do they just really are they just really interested? Oh, it's a learning experience totally and it backfires on me as well because, you know, we're going to, to London a couple of years back and I was at the time trying to convince Henry to, to read and he was resisting learning to read. So I gave him a book about trains, which has been my downfall because he <laughs> said, well, since we're going to um, to London, Mum, I see in this book that you gave me there's a train called the Eurostar that goes to Paris. Could we just do a day trip to Paris while we're in London? And I th- thought, well, okay, fair enough that, yeah, he got me. So we, we organized a day, a day trip. We ended up doing a couple of nights in Paris and I thought, no, I'm still going to win on the education front. So I pulled out a, an atlas and started looking at where London is and where Paris is and where the Eurostar might go and, and, you know, places it went through and everything. And so Henry, um, then got me back and said, Oh, look, mum, I, I noticed Amsterdam's just up the road from Paris. Maybe we could just go on a, um, a Thales, um, train, which is a different kind of train up to Amsterdam just really quickly. <laughs> so I find that, yeah, having them involved is fantastic and they're learning a lot. It's also costing Matt and I a lot of money because <laughs> they're discovering all sorts of other cool things they want to do. Yeah, the more more involved they are, the, the easier it is for us. But the one sort of strategy we also apply is, is, I guess, a typical parenting strategy in that we save the best for last. So the very last thing we did in Europe purposely was the, the Paris trip. So it basically hung over them the entire trip. Every time they misbehaved, we asked them if they perhaps really particularly wanted to go on the Eurostar because we hadn't been yet. So um, <laughs> we found that was a great behavior modification tool yeah, awesome. to, uh, to keep them in line. So we, we tend to plan our trips that way as well. We sort of leave one of the coolest activities to last. Mm-hmm. Something that they've chosen. They've chosen and um, sort of, the, I guess, the, the pinnacle of the trip. Yeah. Awesome. So we're talking about learning experiences. You've taken your kids out of school sometimes to go on these trips. What do the teachers think about that and how do you keep them happy? 
we're trying to do it less and less. Um, our school is very understanding um, because of the way Matt and I, um, our rosters work. We don't often get school holidays off, so it becomes really difficult to, to take them out of school in school holidays. So sometimes the only way we can have a family trip is to go during during term time. And we're, we're very lucky because the school is um, they're really understanding. But in saying that, I want to do it less and less, especially as um, you know, learning becomes as Henry progresses through the schooling system. So um, that's pretty much just a um, a chat with the teachers, uh, see how they feel about it, and what sort of work they might want the kids to do while they're away. It's not not so much for Leo at the moment; he's just in his first year of school. But certainly for Henry, the teachers usually want him to do something like like a diary. Or they give him homework sheets that he's got to do, and it's it's pretty easy. It's pretty cruisy. We just um, whenever we travel, we we pair up. We have one adult, and one kid as a a pair that travels together the entire time. So whoever's paired up with, um, like the last trip we did, Matt was paired up with Henry. So they just made a point of doing a little bit of homework every night, just fitting it in around other activities. Um, I make a point of doing a bit of reading with Leo, and as long as we're still meeting those sort of um, schooling milestones, I guess no one is too upset. Mm-hmm. But in saying that, I, I do try to do a lot less now. You're talking about one parent going with one child. Do you also use that strategy for packing? Yes. And it was the best decision we ever made because it means we've each got one child as our responsibility. In the past, we were finding that neither parent knew who was making the kids do their teeth or or who had packed the, the rain jackets or whatever. And so to try and keep a bit of sanity, because we're traveling as teams, one adult, one child, we decided we might as well pack as teams as well. So now we, we pretty much travel with two big-ish suitcases. And um, so you know, my suitcase will have half for me and half for the kid I'm traveling with and same with Matt. And that way I've only got one child to be responsible for. So if the other child forgets his rain jacket, it's not my fault or my problem (laughs) in the nicest possible way. But it's, um, it's a lot easier to keep track of, you know, laundry and who's got toothbrushes and socks and undies and all the rest of it. It's so much easier to keep track of one child than to, um, or have two adults trying to keep track of two children. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So when you're packing for the one child that you're responsible for, do you have any tips for packing for that child or for all of the children that you happen to be traveling with? Not really. I usually um, I get the child to work out what he's going to need for the trip and I get him to assemble all the, all the things and, and bring them to, to where I've got the suitcase. So, um, you know, for example, I'll, I'll say to Leo, like, how many days are we going to be away? And he's got to calculate how many pairs of undies he needs and how many socks. And, you know, we we'll use it again as a bit of education. We'll look at what the weather, you know, look online, what the weather's going to be like and have a think about what sort of clothes we might want to be taking and what activities we're doing, whether we're going to be going swimming or, you know, in cold weather or whatever. And so I get the kids to take a lot of responsibility, but I have learned the hard way that you can't, leave it at that. You've also got to audit it yourself. <laughs> I've started to use uh, like yeah, packing cells a lot more, which makes life so much easier. So, you know, just having a, a little bag full of t-shirts and a little bag full of shorts and, you know, just to be able to find stuff because, you know, it doesn't matter how neat you are when you leave home, your suitcase is going to be an absolute mess the first time the kids go rummaging through trying to find something. Absolutely. Yeah. So do you have color-coded packing cubes, like a, a green one for undies and a red one for socks? Or no, no, not really. But just got the sort of see-through ones that uh-huh. um, you can see what, what they are and the kids are starting to get the hang of that. And if we're going to be in one place for more than two or three nights, we'll, we'll you know, unpack into the into the room, um, drawers or whatever. But if it's just one or two nights, we usually just leave it in the suitcase and hope it doesn't get too feral. Great. Thanks, Anna. We want to interrupt briefly just to talk about our sponsor for this episode, which is Visit Milwaukee. 
Now, Milwaukee is a great place for traveling with kids. And, you know, family trips should be fun for everyone. It shouldn't just be about the adults, right? And in Milwaukee, there are things you want to do, like urban kayaking, outdoor concerts, and things like that. But they also have a kid-friendly version, so everyone can join in. That's right. One of the things that caught my eye was the kid-friendly brewery tours, where kids can sample craft sodas. Yes, not beer. Not beer. No, no. And family-friendly water activities, kayaking, boating, you've already talked about, and beaches along the lake. So there's lots of things that you can do as a family where everyone has fun. And I mean, you can also get the kids involved. They can choose the activity and you can all go and have a good time. Yeah. One of the things that came out of our interview was they're the home of Harley Davidson, which I didn't know. And they've got the Harley Davidson Museum there where uh, if you've got kids with you, they can jump on and sit on one of those massive motorcycles. I'm sure that's an awesome photo op. So visit visitmilwaukee.org to plan your family trip. Hey, I'm going to get out of the way and let you and Anna continue the conversation. So you mentioned earlier that spending time in airports can be one of the most stressful things. And I think that's true for all parents traveling with children. And you're a pilot, so you particularly spend a lot of time in airports. What's your system for getting from home through the airport and onto the plane? Matt usually drives us to the airport. So we he'll, he'll drop, drop us off at the, um, the departures area. And so I will wrangle the kids and all the bags onto a trolley and then we'll just wait in the terminals for Matt to go park the car and sort all that sort of stuff out because I – cannot handle walking through car parks and going on um, car park buses and things like that with kids and bags. That's just not my idea of fun. So the more I can avoid that, the better. So the first thing is, yeah, one adult stays with the kids, one adult sorts out the car, and then we all meet at the um, the check-in counter. That bit's pretty straightforward. We get checked in, we make sure we've got seats because often we are flying standby, so that can be slightly stressful. We might not even be going anywhere. <laughs> all that time <laughs> Which, getting to the airport, oh, we're going home. <laughs> In which case, it's all irrelevant anyway. Otherwise, you know, once we get to that point, going through customs, we, we break down to our teams again. So whichever kid you're assigned to, that's the one you go through airport security with. And that's, that's pretty straightforward. The kids know what they need to do there and they're pretty helpful. I guess the only downside to customs with kids is that we can't use the e-passport gates. We have to go through the, the family lane, which often takes a bit longer, but you know, it's getting better and better. Um, yeah, then we're, then we're airside. Um, so yeah, usually with kids, we just go and sort of, if there's a playground around, we'll, we'll go and find that because the more you can burn off the kids energy, the better. Like that is probably with our two little boys, that's, that's our our keys. So the more they can run around or um, sometimes we'll play Pokemon or see if there's any geocaches around or, you know, we'll just try and do a bit of active stuff depending on how long we've got to wait to board our flight. And then um, actually boarding the flight, again, we split up um, usually one adult, usually Matt will go on board with all the, or as many uh, of the cabin bags as he can manage. And he'll sort of set us up in our little spot. We don't do this so much anymore, but when the kids were particularly little and didn't really understand the concept of traveling, Matt would you know, take all the nappy bags on board and all the just paraphernalia that you've got with kids. And I'd hang back and make the kids run laps of the airport. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, just go over to that wall, touch the wall and come back. And then I just do it again, you know, and it was great because they do laps and then we'd be like the last people to board. And the key to that is my kids are really impatient. Once they're on board, they want the doors to shut and they want to go. So if you're the first people on board the airplane, that's all well and good, but you might be sitting there for another half hour before the airplane does anything. Mm-hmm. And for a you know, two or three year old kid, that is just interminable. And that's when you really have a lot of trouble controlling your, your kids. So, so when they were little, um, yeah, make them run laps. And be the last people on board the airplane to the point where we got on board the airplane, the door would shut behind us and the airplane would start moving back. And the kids had 
no time to get bored or uh, distressed or anything like that. That's really interesting because that's the opposite of what the airlines kind of encourage you to do. They want you to get on first. Yeah. Well, I would I'd encourage if, if you're traveling with two adults, so one adult to get on board first um, and sort of, you know, put everything where it needs to be. So you've yeah. got your wet wipes in the seat back pocket and you've got your, um, you know, nappies in an accessible place if, if you're you know, traveling with really small kids. Um, you've got books and iPads if you're traveling with that or toys all in the right place because trying to organize that while also trying to get kids strapped into seatbelts can be difficult. But if one adult's got all your sort of comforts organized and the other adult just sort of runs on board, plunks the kids down, everything's where it needs to be and you get the kids strapped in and then they're good to go. So I find that that was my, probably my number one tip for traveling with smaller children. Um, now the kids understand what's going on. It's still burning off energy, still playing and, and all the rest of it, but not so much of the last minute boarding. We just get on with everyone else and just get comfortable. And mm-hmm. it's pretty, pretty straightforward really. And what kind of things do you prepare to keep them entertained on the long flights? Well, I try to get them to do as much of that as possible. So Henry at the moment is really into reading, so I get him to, to bring a couple of books. Leo is really into just playing with little matchbox cars, which is perfect. That's so portable. Yeah. <laughs> so um, you can take sacks of those things and, and he'll just set up a little track around his seat and he'll play with those for hours. Leo's into coloring. So I guess it's just knowing your kids and knowing what will keep them quiet for periods of time. Mm-hmm. It is always great when there's in-flight entertainment, like, you know, movies and things like that, because that will just keep them entertained. But like in saying that, I don't like them having a lot of screen time either. Mm-hmm. So we try and limit that as much as possible. But it, but also if, if I need to sleep and the only way that I can sleep is the kid watching a movie, well, then that's what happens. Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you need to be awake and alert to be able to look after your kids well. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And what about for other types of journeys? We've talked about flights, keeping them entertained on the flights. How do you keep them entertained on, I don't know, like long car trips or on bus or train trips? Car trips are probably the worst. Um, they're not fans of car trips. We did a road trip from uh, Las Vegas to Reno. Oh, in fact, from Los Angeles to Las Vegas to Reno and lots of just long stretches of driving and that was probably the worst. So in the past we've used um, – because we're self-driving, we can use like geocaching as a mm-hmm. as an option. So we pick a geocache that might be sort of a hundred kilometres away, uh-huh. and we put it um, the the phone where where people can see it and the kids can see we're counting down to a destination. And then they know that when we come to the location of the geocache, we can get out and have a walk around. We'll find some treasure and we can uh-huh. you know um, do that sort of thing. So that's one of probably the best strategies for for road trips. Buses they're pretty hard as well. We try not to do long bus trips. Um, because we've got no control over where the stops are and things mm-hmm. like that. Trains are great because you can walk down to the cafe and yeah, and the kids are obsessed with trains anyway, so they're not. Okay, so we've talked about transport. One of the other main things that we think about when we think about traveling is accommodation. So what kind of accommodation do you usually go for and why do you choose that? So first pick would be um, like family self-catered accommodation. Like Airbnb. Um, Airbnb sort of, you know, ideally for us, you know, two bedrooms, you know, one queen bed, two singles with a self-catering kitchen, that would be absolute perfect. Uh, it's not always available, unfortunately. If we've got to have a room that's got two queen beds in it, well, then we have to work out who's sleeping with who because sometimes the kids don't want to share a bed and, you know, all that sort of thing. Yeah, the self-catering is an absolute win for us because um, – they don't always want to eat what's on offer at restaurants. We don't always want to go out for a full meal. It's not always easy to find somewhere that's open when we want to eat. I really like going to you know, supermarkets and just buying enough stuff to get us buy a few meals or you know cook some basic meals in, in our own apartment, especially if people are tired and grumpy and, and things like that. But we'll pretty much 
stay anywhere. I mean, the most recent trip was on the GAN, on the train, and we had two bunk rooms, uh, in which case we split up into our teams and we had one adult, one child in each room, and that worked pretty well as well. So we'll, we'll do that, like in places where, you know, family accommodation isn't so available, we'll just get two smaller rooms mm-hmm. and um, just, yeah, just have our teams again. So hotels are okay and everything. You can make anything work. It's just, it's just preferences, you know? So, so yeah, like I said, the two bedroom self-contained Airbnb is, is probably perfect. And the probably least perfect would be, you know, like a backpacker's dorm or something like that. <laughs> but we've done, we've done it all. Like we've, we've yeah. stayed everywhere and it's, it's all fine. And it's just about, um, yeah, thinking about what's the safest with the kids. Like mm-hmm. in the train, for example, you know, we had, we had to have one adult and one child. The children couldn't be in a room by themselves without an adult for safety reasons. So mm-hmm. it made sense to, to split up. And that way, you know, Matt and I both got a bottom bunk, which was quite nice as well. The kids got the top bunk, so everything's happy. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So it's just, you know, just what's going to be the safest option. Yeah. Awesome. So you mentioned that you like self-catering apartments because you can cater for yourselves. Do you have any tips apart from that for fussy eaters? Fussy eaters, yeah. Henry was extremely fussy. Oh, you'd remember. I remember. The Czech, the Czech Republic. Um, it's really hard. I, I guess if it's only a short trip, you've just got to remember they're not going to die if they only eat bland food. So if like Henry on the Czech Republic trip, French fries and white rice, like that was it. But um, we're pretty lucky in Australia. We've got, you know, Aldi and Aldi make these fantastic little um, pouches of pureed vegetables. And Henry decided he liked this particular pouch purely because it had a picture of a tractor on the front. It was great because it was, you know, full of broccoli and peas and all those good greens that, you know, at least I knew he was getting some nutrition into them. Mm-hmm. And um, we were able to travel with those in our um, checked-in bags. But also because Aldi is obviously prevalent through Europe, we were able to find the tractor, the, the tractor um, <laughs> pouches. Um, yeah, and, and similar sort of foods that I knew he'd probably have a go at. When he was younger, um, you know, we also topped him up with uh, like an infant formula as well, which we carried with us. You know, it was it was far from ideal um, in terms of feeding my kid chips every night, but I knew he was getting nutrition through the um, the formula and, and, and some of these veggies. I was able to get into him as well. And I knew that when we got home, we'd go back to our routine. You know, you can also, most places will, you know, you can order carrot sticks or slices of apples, all that sort of basic bland food. And when you can do that, that's great. But if you can't order them at the restaurants, that's why I like going to the supermarkets because you can usually find enough of that sort of stuff to get by to make up little snack packs for your bags. <laughs> and um, yeah, and if they don't eat when you eat, you know, just because as adults we eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner, mm-hmm. kids don't always eat to those patterns. So quite often my kids will sit there and just watch me eat lunch. They just won't have anything. Um, and then, you know, an hour later they're like, oh, I'm hungry, you know, and then we'll have to find something else. But if you've got snacks and if you're prepared, then it's, and you know, your kids, it's not that hard. Yeah. yeah just deal with it. So really make use of the local supermarkets then. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And if you see something that's good or if, if you're traveling and, and you find something your kid likes and you're happy with it, like stock up because you might not see it again. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So, well, yeah, an example of that was a particular brand of rice crackers that we found on, gosh, one of our trips. And um, we only found it in one place and I thought, oh, you know, we'll get some more somewhere else. And we weren't able to find it anywhere else, but it was like the perfect snack. Yeah. And <laughs> couldn't find it again. So learned that lesson. Cool. And what's one of your favorite memories of traveling with your kids? I don't know. I love it all. I love traveling with them. One of the, the memories that cracks me up is um, on the cruise. Henry had been planning for the cruise. He, he saw a cruise ship when he was three years old and he said, 
what's that mum? And I explained to him what a cruise ship was. And he goes, oh, that's what I want to do. I want to take the family on a cruise. He was three. And he was three. And, he's, <laughs> and, and so for, you know, for four years he sat there and he saved his birthday money, his, his Christmas money. Um, he did odd jobs for us in our Airbnb. He saved all his money up and he was going to, it wasn't just that he wanted to go on a cruise. He wanted to take the family on a cruise. The pinnacle of this was we're sitting on the, on the cruise waiting for our room to be ready in um, Miami. And Matt and I've got cocktails. The kids have got mocktails. And we're all sitting there and it's a beautiful sunny day. And we're on the Lido deck looking at the pool. And um, Matt gave a toast to Henry and said, this is all because of Henry. You know, if he hadn't had this, this grand idea, we wouldn't be here. And just the look of pride on his oh. face was just the coolest thing ever. Because he obviously, he did work hard for it. And, yeah. and he paid for the actual, he didn't pay the drinks bill, but he paid for the cruise portion of the cruise just through his hard work and everything. And so I love that look of like just pride on his face which was somewhat sort of lessened by Leo who got a bit miffed and did the big sort of <laughs> what's wrong, Leo. And he goes, well, I wanted to pay for something. <laughs> so, so now Leo has been madly saving up to take us on the Shinkansen in Japan. So he'll get his wish, but that just cracked me up so much because, um, you know, the kids are so invested in the travel. And when I asked Henry today, you know, what's your favorite part of traveling with, with parents? And he said, Oh, I just love spending time with you. It's just so nice to just have time with my parents so sweet and so that yeah that obviously makes it all worthwhile so we're a team we, we go exploring we, we find you know the things we all want to do sometimes we do things that the kids aren't that interested in sometimes we do things the adults aren't that interested in no. but overall we we have a great time and um yeah, yeah really enjoy ourselves I remember when we were traveling with Henry when he was two and we're in the Czech Republic and we just saw so many fountains because he was really into water. Yeah. Remember? And everywhere we went, we had to take a detour to go and have a look at a fountain or look at a lake or look at a river. It's a totally different way of traveling, isn't it? I've never seen so much water. I've never noticed it. You've never (laughs) noticed it before. But but so when the first time we um, took Henry, in fact, on that trip, Mm -hmm. he had a big uh, painting of a Hong Kong tram in his bedroom. And every night before bed, he'd point at this, this big painting of this Hong Kong tram and he'd go, Hong Kong tram. <laughs> it was one of his first like words. <laughs> we had an option of which way to go through to London. And we actually decided to go through Hong Kong to go on the tram just so Henry could see a Hong Kong tram. It's awesome. And um, we weren't too sure how that trip would go because we traveled with him as a very small baby before, but not as a autonomous two-year-old. And um, we had a great time. It was a completely different way of traveling. Matt and I had both spent a bit of time in Hong Kong before. And those trips were more about going out at night, drinking, mm-hmm. having sleep-ins in the morning yeah, yeah. and maybe, you know, going sightseeing in the afternoon or something like that. And of course, this time that wasn't on the agenda, but we found that while we did different things and we were seeking out different things to do, we didn't have any less fun. Mm-hmm. We had just as much fun because um, it's like you're seeing the world again through the, the kids' eyes. Yeah. And as long as you're doing things that you know, have interest for everybody or at least everyone has their turn at doing what they want yeah. to do. Um, it's fun. So yeah. no, it's, yeah. it's fantastic. Cool. Well, just before we finish up, do you have any kind of general advice for someone who's hesitant about traveling with kids or is about to do it for the first time? Not really. I mean, just, um, I mean, parents know their kids. So really just pay attention to what your kids' needs are and, and be as prepared as you possibly can. You know, all the usual sort of parenting advice, like always carry tissues and wet wipes and all those sort of things on you because you need to be sort of prepared for anything. Yeah. Just, just think about, well, what's the worst case? Um, if I get stuck on an airplane for three hours longer than I expected to, what am I going to do? Like just, just think through how that's going to play out. The things that are going to stress you out is, you know, not being able to feed your kids. So make sure you've got adequate food, you know, snacks to get you through. 
you're going to stress out if you don't have nappies or, you know, the basic sort of, sort of things. So just, just sort of over cater for that and be over prepared, but, but also just be, be ready to take things as they come and just trust in your ability as a parent to know that you can, whatever travel hits you with, you can, you can deal with. Yeah. And, um, yeah, lots of toys, like little toys, like cars, if you've got a little boy who's into cars or I don't know, just whatever little trinkets they like to play with, coloring books, all those sort of things. Coloring books. Sounds good. (laughs) Sounds good. Hey, that brings us to the end of the interview and to the end of today's episode of the Indie Travel Podcast. Thanks, Eve Sanders, for coming on the show and thanks for all your great advice. Well, I think uh, we should go and do some more research. (laughs) You mean drink beer? (laughs) Yeah, it's it's coming up to lunchtime. Mm. It's a a good excuse. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Great. Well, we're going to be in Prague for the next few months. Looking forward to bringing you some stories from here and exploring some more of the Czech Republic as well. That's us for this week. Until next time, travel well.